1: Nazis. I don't care if it's Hitler's personal pleasure cruiser, this is the only ship that we've came across the last... This is your voice now. It's right, Captain. The Russians are done.
0: we got to get off this raft. Simple as that, Captain. You no, know what I think is strange. Come
1: on, Captain. Hey, what was your son overboard?
0: Oh, enough! All this, this, fighting and shouting, no one comes to see. Hmm? Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 283. Out now on DVD and video on demand is Blood Vessel, an Australian-made horror thriller set in the high seas during World War II that pits a motley crew of shipwrecked survivors against an ancient evil on an abandoned Nazi warship. Starring Nathan Phillips, Alyssa Sutherland, and Robert Taylor, Blood Vessel is a terrifying creature feature that boasts excellent practical effects and low-budget filmmaking ingenuity. And joining me now on the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is the director of Blood Vessel, Mr. Justin Dix. Justin, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Not a problem. It's a pleasure to be chatting. So, you know, it's really interesting when I watched your movie. um, Everyone knows the story of, of Dracula, of course. It is a small segment in stoker's dracula novel where dracula takes a ship called the demeter um from uh, it's a russian ship from transylvania to britain but it's a very very small thing and even in like film adaptations people don't really dwell too long on it um so when i saw the the synopsis for your film i was like you know this is a movie we haven't seen before uh, a film that kind of delves into what would happen um, if a person was on a ship like that, and there was a creature like a vampire on there, what would transpire? Was that part of the Dracula novel something that really inspired you to to write this script and make this movie?
1: Uh, not. Okay, not, it wasn't really the thing that inspired me to write the movie. Uh, I do know of that um, portion of the novel, and also I'm a bit of a fan of Nosferatu and also uh, Shadow of the Vampire, where they utilise the uh, you know the the vampire on the ship uh, occasionally. But again, I haven't seen that as a, a full film. And
0: yeah.
1: obviously, under the inspiration probably comes more from you know have what you have available to you, and and the ship presented a uh, one location environment, and that's to be honest that's where the you know, that's where the crux of the actual idea came from. You work with what you have. And I had a special effects studio and had a ship next to my studio. So I
0: thought, well, there we go. There's the premise of my movie. The ship itself, the the real ship, is the HMAS, HMAS Castlemaine. Um, so this was a ship that was built for the Australian Navy and actually saw action back in World War II in Australian New Guinea and Timor waters. Um, now it's a it's a museum ship, pretty much. Um, so I'm curious, considering it's like now a museum, um, what's the process like in trying to get a film made on there? Do you have to go through, like, um, I don't know, like a, a special council? Is there, like, a board or something? Do you have to present your idea to and try to get permission for that to be done?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There are all a bunch of retired uh, Navy guys who actually maintain the ship and open it on the weekends for just for the museum. Uh, you know, it's in pristine condition. They've been restoring it for the last, you know, three decades. And, uh Have a couple of patrons and so forth, and really, but the only money they make is on the weekends as a museum, which doesn't bring in a lot. So I kind of like I'd already gone down there and talked to them a little bit about it. I wanted to make a film, and you know, obviously, our location fee was it was it was was small, but it still you know quite good for the you know it could add a, a few new repairs that they needed but so, and also they felt that it also could um you know possibly boost some tourism there and stuff like that but they were i, I went through all the gruesome details of what i was going to do i said them, it's not going to look like the museum it does right now because mm. it's all pristine, you know, we grind up walls but we re- place everything back when we grind up walls up with blood or or, or dress the whole thing or let it make it look like the way we did we we returned it to the same way we um uh, we found it. I mean, the only—I I, mean—in hindsight, I probably could have built a lot of those sets, but at the same time, it doesn't give you the same sense uh, of being on the ship and the, the gangways and the claustrophobia. And it did it, it, the restrictions. Actually, I've always said, out of adversity comes creativity. So you have to kind of think a little outside the square when you're inside the box.
0: When it comes to filming in a ship like that, like anyone who's been on one of those kind of navy ships like that are now a museum, you can, when you're in there, you kind of think to yourself, how the hell was this thing operational? Because it's so tight. You can usually only just go the one way. You can't go back and forth that easily. Um, getting a film crew on there and, and, and having a cast of characters and all the other things that come with that, logistically speaking, was it very difficult to do to get all that done, um, especially in the tight confines? Or does having that kind of restrictions really help and bring up about the, the claustrophobia and such that the movie really infuses? No, it
1: certainly helps. Uh, but at the same time, it was an un- unknown... Like, obviously, we went there on location scouting and I'd uh, written a script and kept going visiting the so forth, uh, the ship, just to get a sense of the space. But um, it wasn't until you actually get a whole crew in there and the cast and you realise, oh, OK, this makes it a little bit trickier, single-access ladders and up and down. and Especially the boiler room was a tricky one. It was three levels down and, you know, and as I said, single-access um, single ladders to get up and down. So... And, Literally, the day we shot in the boiler room, I just decided I'm just going to stay in the boiler room all day. There's no point even trying to get up to the top. There's just no point because um, you had your weight to turn and it slows things down. And we were lowering cameras back and forth, and so it, it did make the process a lot more difficult. But at the same time, it made it also a lot more authentic. I mean, you know, again, there's no way we could have built that engine room, and you know, all we had to do was change a couple of uh, change a couple of the um, uh, pressure gauges and so forth to German and, and then pretty much it looked very authentic you know, obviously with the lighting and a couple of steamers, like closed steamers to act as um, steam everywhere, pumping out. It, was, it, you know, it creates a, a fantastic atmosphere. I was literally just putting together all the Blu-ray footage and um, we're doing like an hour-long production diary, which kind of gives you a scene comparison with a location scouting with the actors mm-hmm. uh, and um, yeah, it's chalk and cheese. You look at the, the, the footage of just like before the thing is lit and and uh, before it's dressed and all that sort of stuff. And it's just, I mean, you know, we, we gained a million dollars without spending a million dollars just straight yeah. away by shooting on the ship. It makes it a huge difference. I do understand though, what they mean by getting sea legs. We all kind of like being on the ship all day, you come off it uh, and you, you just feel like you're wobbling.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it works so well in the movie as well because like, like you said, you could have built a set and it could have worked, but having that actual ship there, getting access to stuff like that, I mean, it's just gold, isn't it?
1: Well, it was also, yeah, ter- totally. But also the guys on board, uh, a lot of them were really enthusiastic. Just, I mean, you know, they, knew, they weren't into horror movies whatsoever. Yeah. They didn't... It wasn't their thing, it wasn't their genre. I kept telling them about it. They were just shaking their heads about vampires, and burning little girls and blah, blah, blah. But they, um, but they were quite enthusiastic and let us do whatever we wanted to the place. Uh, and we also, you know, we had to kind of own the ship for five weeks, but we still opened it on the weekend, so we blocked off our sets so people couldn't go down there. Mm. But at the same time... You know, if we needed something, um, props or some set dressings, they had it all there. I mean, they had it in us all. Period. So it was just, you know, they were able to help us enormously with an enormous amount of, like, dressing that kitchen or you know, all the armaments in the armory room. Armory room. Yeah, it was just all already there. And the um, the other thing, there was actually a tiny bit of trivia, which actually, funny enough, I was filming, and, and then suddenly my dad, who was in Tasmania, his ex his Navy. Uh, he, I, I was pretty on Facebook that I was filming on that ship. And he uh, contacted me and told me that uh, so basically, I think it was in the 1960s. He did his naval seamanship on the HMAS
0: Castleman. Oh, really?
1: Kind of so ironic.
0: Wow, that's <laughs> I awesome.
1: Now, I was now filming on there doing a vampire movie. He just received his DVD. I sent my trip through in Tasmania.
0: Oh wow, that'll be really cool to see if whether he can like pick like like watching the movie whether he could pick whether he was in like these different areas in the ship when he was doing his uh his time there. That sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, no, it was, uh, it, was just a, it was a little, it was fortuitous. it was just a bit of a little calm I don't know, it just felt, it felt interesting, it just sort of spread around the ship, going did your dad serve on this ship? I said, yeah, well, he did his ship on this ship, so <laughs> it's quite
0: funny. Um, you, they mentioned before the cast that you had in this film, um, in particular, Nathan Phillips, Elisa Sutherland, um, Robert Taylor... These are um, actors that have really like gone to the states, especially, and really like made a name for themselves, especially like in TV productions. Um, to have them come back to work on your film, your feature film, what was that experience like?
1: Oh, it was great. I mean, I've known Nathan for a while. Uh, we've worked together on a few things already. Uh, in the basically, I worked with him first. I think it was on uh, what was it called? Um, *Dying Breed*. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we got along really well. We were in Tasmania shooting that and everything. I was doing all the effects for it and. And then um, we went from something else, but then we, got just, we just got along really, really well and then we remained friends. And then also the last thing we did was Hunters. I was co-producer and also uh, the sci-fi TV series. He was the lead. And we kept talking on that, yeah, you because know, there was a long show and we we're talking on that about working together and I said, well, I'm writing this thing. I think, you know, he'd be awesome. And he goes, yeah, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. And So he's always wanting to make films together. And he's dying to, yeah, I'm dying to work with him again. I've got another thing I want him, uh, want him for. But it, it, that, so he was, that was easy uh, as far as Nathan. And he's such a giving actor uh, in a sense that he, um, he knows his stagecraft. He's very professional, very prepared. Um, but at the same time... He also came on as uh, one of the producers because he was just putting so much effort and so much into the project. You know, if we needed something, he'd force it down. You know, if we needed this, he'd do his best to find it. And um, Alicia, well, I was just a fan of her. So I was just a complete fan. And when I found out she was from from Queensland, but obviously um, living in LA at the time, I just got in touch with her. And she was my first choice. And she was just, we just got along like a house on fire. And she's remained friends with myself and everybody. She's just such a down-to-earth Aussie girl. She just had a ball, but she... She did it because she um, yeah, she loved the role. You know, she just loved it. And, you know, we were talking about not being the typical damsel in distress and so forth. Uh, Rob Taylor, was a kind of funny story, really, because we were actually shooting already. Uh, we were about a week into shooting, and we still hadn't found our Captain Malone. And it, there was a, a couple of really interesting suggestions going around for it, and we were, we were kind of struggling to find the right person. And then I don't know how or where, or I think it might have been on Facebook or something, but I heard Rob was in Melbourne because normally he's in LA because uh, I know Rob quite well because I've worked with him God, 20 years ago on a film called Storm Warning and we just you know, really get along and he knows me and I know him and, and then um, so I just basically rang him and I just said hey, I'm uh, doing this film do you want to be do you want to be in it? you know, it's only going to be a few days and he was like hell yeah, yeah, yeah send me the script he only read the first
0: five pages, so he didn't know there were vampires in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? That um, is it true yeah. that there was a, a part in production where the cast are together? Like the movie starts, on this like this little dingy during the high seas, and this big kind of ship comes where the cast are together, and everyone's just one person mentions vampires, and Rob Taylor's like vampires. What are you talking about, vampires? Absolutely, that's true. Yeah,
1: yeah. He didn't know it was he didn't know it was a horror movie. He he's, cause he's, look, I mean, you know, spoiler alert. He doesn't. He doesn't survive. He doesn't. Spoiler alert. He's um. He's not in the movie that much. Uh, so, you know, none of the supernatural stuff starts, <laughs> starts while he's there. So he, um, yeah, he didn't read past until he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> he only left what he, he only learned his lines. That's all in his mouth. He didn't care about what the movie was about. He just wanted to work on my movie and work yeah. together because we really like each other. And, you know, he just, and he was, you know, I mean, he's got fantastic success in America with the Meg and, and, um, and, uh, Longmire and all that sort of stuff, and you know, his, his star is absolutely rising. And I just, uh, I said, look, I'm doing this little movie. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll come do your movie, no problem. Yeah, 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 it'd be awesome. And he just had a ball. He just had it. He just, he just. I think he re- revelled in it with just like a really um, sort of a. It was a personal, personal sort of a smaller, intimate, um, independent group, and you know you get a lot of say, and just everybody's so much more relaxed. Yeah. You know, and just, uh, and again, we only needed him for like about four or five days. I am spewing, though, like the, the very first time I shot with him, we we're going to do a raft scene, and we decided through that whole movie, it was meant to be raining through the entire movie. Yeah. It Kept changing because of different things. We had this rain machine thing, and we from the very first night it was freezing and we're out in the ocean, and <laughs> we started raining on them. So the whole opening of that movie was meant to be them waking up from rain, basically, and collecting rain and trying to drink it, and then the ship comes in. Well, we, well, we, we did film that night. We filmed the whole raining scene. We filmed that whole thing. Uh, and then I, <laughs> it, was, it was freezing, couldn't hear anybody, torrential rain were pouring on them, and I just had to make the executive decision, which is very hard on an independent film, we're going to scrap this and redo it, because I'm not going to have the rain on them. Going down that side of the ship and being constantly rained on the whole time—I just thought it was going to be a nightmare. And yeah, you know, they were all very good sports. know, like, oh, let's do it, let's, let's do, do it. it. No, no. And you know, Rob was like, "It's fucking freezing, but fuck it, <laughs> let's do it." But uh, but yeah, so we, we decided to change it. I think they're all they're all really willing to go that extra yard for me. But at the same time, I said, "Yeah, you say that now, but you know, three or four days of this, you're all going to want to fucking kill me." So yeah. I'm just like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna basically." Uh, cut this one and we're going to redo it. So we actually redid re- it and shot it in a pool, a heated pool. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, at night time when they closed and it was fantastic. Everyone had a ball. <laughs> because it was obviously, the only thing is, everyone was getting sleepy because it was heated and chlorine
0: So yeah. When it comes to the switch that the film makes, um, where, okay, so like in, in Rob's case, he didn't know it was a vampire film and some people might go into not knowing it as well. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it happens kind of like, ah. Oh, maybe 40 45 minutes and when it comes to making that decision when do you decide as a filmmaker to make that switch when do you is that done in the script is it done in post when does it feel right to finally say okay and now we're going to bring in the patriarch at this scene right now how do you feel that out
1: that was definitely in the script uh, it was that way i mean i might i'm not going to say it's uh, it's not a. I mean, I'm, I'm inspired by movies of the '80s. Obviously, I'm, 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 I'm. You know, the '80s were the best years of the, my movie life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were just like everything. And yeah, you yeah. Know, and obviously, the Alien, the first one came out in the '70s, but again, I got to see that in the '80s. And but Alien was one of my it's a really big inspiration because you know you don't see the Alien the 45 minutes in. So it was kind of more. You really get to know those characters. You can. You know, any you talk you talk about Alien with anybody. And all of those characters are really individual and really recognisable and also quite distinct. And that's what I wanted with Blood Vessel. I wanted you to have care... I wanted you to care before the carnage. So I... You know, you, I interlaced it with supernatural elements throughout. You know, obviously There is was um, a bit of this and a bit of that as far as, um, uh, you know, some spooky things and, and books and things like that and sort of, like, start to uh, create a bit of a mystery box. But... Um, But as far as the, uh, when to go with it, I just, I don't know, it just sort of felt natural at the point, it it just sort of felt natural to sort of bring it in. I just didn't want to, there's always the temptation to just sort of like, go straight away uh, into some massive supernatural elements to it. But at the same time, you know, then you'll basically, people would probably then complain that the... Characters were paper thin, and they didn't know who the hell was who. So I, I it was my choice to very deliberately go um, to build up the characters and get to know them first, uh, and then, and then bring in the vampire. Yeah. Because, Because, um, yeah, again, I just like, and it's also the films that I love. You know, the films that I love is, uh, Alien and and things that sort of like give you a bit more of um, insight into the people. And again, if you're going to kill people, you want to you want to care first. If you don't care, well, then what's the point?
0: Yeah. Um, I think one of my favorite parts of the movie, um, going back to Nathan Phillips. I mean, for people who don't know, it is Australian actors in the film, but there's it's a it's a mix of nationalities in the characters. It's kind of like it's a mix of kind of like different allied people. There's a Russian, there's a Brit, there's an Aussie, there's an Amer- couple of Americans. Um, Nathan Phillips plays the Australian character. I think my favorite part of the film um, was when he first sees the patriarch, and yeah. there's a pause, and then you just hear a oh, get fucked, <laughs> like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's like fantastic. That thing, is that that line right there um, in the script, improvised, because um, it's just delivered so well.
1: Oh, totally in the script. No, it's, uh, well, basically, again, I, I'm inspired by movies of the 80s and things that I grew up with, and and that was my version of Kurt Russell's yep. You've Got to Be Fucking Kidding Me, yeah. uh, you know, from the thing. That's exactly, it's exactly that. It's like literally the exact same thing. Me and Nathan talked about it. I said, that's that I said you are I actually said to him in this in this movie, um me and Nathan talked about it a lot. I said I said, Go watch it if you want again, Nate, but I know he already knew the movie well. But I said, You are Kurt Russell from the thing in this movie. You are sort of the um that's what I want you to be and you know, you don't uh, you don't trust um Niles, the you know, the um I think it was David Keith, I think, uh, or Keith David. Sorry, I can't always get those actors mixed up. Anyway, but anyway, but it's basically who played uh, the the African American character, and he just they just don't trust each other. By the end, of their pals. And that's I said that was the sort of that was a relationship as well with him and Teplov you know, the Russian. I said I want it to be antagonistic, and you don't trust each other, but then you know by the end of it, you're you're best buds. <laughs> so yeah. was just, I, it was kind of like it was very deliberate. To almost everything in the script is deliberate. There's no real. There's no. Um, ad-libbing it was all kind of pretty much stuck to script i mean yeah we cut stuff out there was actually more antagonistic stuff between um the russian and the australian and uh but at the same time we just sort of we didn't want to beat it over the head i guess it is um and you know it was, yeah, but that, that particular moment yeah also is one of my favorites because it's also it's so typically australian yes um,
0: but also, well, perfect. <laughs> like, what else would you say? Exactly. I mean, I mean, that's and my, and that's the thing, right? Like, as as a Nazi, you're watching the film, and you're like, I would say the exact same thing if I was in yep. his position right there. You know, it just, it's just, it's such a well played out scene. Um, yep. The yep. vampires themselves, the the design the look of them. I mean, there's been different interpretations over the de- many decades since you know the time of Nosferatu of what vampires have looked like from, you know, those early Nosferatu to the glittery teen vampires of Twilight. And what you had here, especially in a design of the Patriarch, is something different. You see influences here and there of little things, but it's completely your own design. Um, From conception to completion, how long does that take to bring to life for the screen? Uh,
1: Well, I I knew very early what I wanted, and it's come up pretty damn close to what I wanted. I want to say, sorry, pretty close. It's come up exactly the way I wanted what I'm saying is that from the initial idea, it, it actually hasn't changed that much. It went through about five different designs, all looked the same, just with big ears or this or bigger chin. And, you know, we actually changed the sculpt I had um, uh, quite a lot. But we, well, we start with a little marquette, like a little statue. So I've still got that statue here. You know, we've made moulds of it so we can give it to investors and so forth. But um, the So essentially we start with a marquette to kind of get the initial feel and look. I just knew that I wanted... Exactly what you were saying. I didn't want. If I'm going to do a vampire movie, I'm going to do a, a, a non-teenaged angst movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or, or to be honest, just put some sort of like sharp teeth on somebody. You know, I just don't, it's just not my thing. And obviously, I'm we, I'm in a privileged position of uh, having done special effects for the last 20 years, and also having a special effects studio. So obviously. I'm I'm just going through a creature feature. You know, doing go, I want to go through all the creatures. So, I mean, I obviously, I grew up again in, with all these sort of movies uh, that I love, so, you know, I, my first movie, Crawl Space, I'd put in some whatever, alien zombies and mutated gorilla and stuff. Uh, this one, I just, if I'm going to do a vampire movie, I'm going to do a vampire movie, and I'm going to do vampire movies that, that I love to see. So I wasn't trying to please anybody other than myself, as in, like, um, if anybody else loves it, and they love them, which is great. But again, I'm just a big fan of um particular makeups from different movies like um my favourite is uh, uh Tim Curry in Legend of uh, mm-hmm. the Darkness. A lot of people don't know who that what I'm talking about, but it's a big red demon guy with massive horns. It was yes. just the most beautiful makeup and and I kind of wanted my version of darkness uh which is you know a very theatrical kind of looking makeup with instead of horns big ears and uh you know he's a batch and uh, i didn't want to shy away from any of that but at the same time i just wanted to feel classic feel nosferatu uh, but my own version of nosferatu I and mean, yeah. i'm a massive fan of, Nos- of things like um, what they did in uh, bram stoker's dracula as well i mean uh, it's kind of like again it's tricky when you're trying to create your own some of your own little legends or not legends your own little um hate on vampire uh, the mythology and things like that. So obviously, yeah, we did this thing with um, with these veins and, and and you know being able to control sort of people's actions and you know uh, talk through them and so forth. Because I wanted to just create something a little bit different from my own perspective. But um, you know, even the the crew at the end that they oh I oh, spoil again <laughs> but anyway they find find infected um, uh, vampiric german mm-hmm. so we started calling him, and i was saying to them i said i want them to be a cross between a zombie and a vampire let's just call them zombies i mm.
0: think
1: <laughs> that's a new term we got we got zombies in
0: there well it's really cool that you could add to the very rich kind of history of like vampire uh law um i wanted to just switch gears a little bit and just talk about sure. being a filmmaker um during the time of COVID. like right now like we we kind of like in a privileged position in Australia, where a lot of parts of the states, um, people can work. People, some people can go to cities. You're in Melbourne, though, which is part of a really like a really uh, like stage four lockdowns. And you own your own like studio down there. You have Wicked of Oz. You guys do prosthetic makeup effects, props, miniatures, etc. For different types of movies. How has this affected? what you guys are doing now with Wicked of Oz. I mean, is productions, is the work you're doing considered essential enough that you can work? Uh, can Are you working in other parts of the country or other parts of the world? Um, how, what's it like as a filmmaker and a film artist in this time of COVID? Oh,
1: it sucks, <laughs> But at the same time, it also, it sucks. But it's also, I'm looking at it, uh, rather than uh, being pessimistic about the whole thing, I'm looking at to be honest, as an opportunity and optimistic. Uh, it's, um... Like, normally, as a special effects video, okay. our busy time is March to November. So, obviously, that completely wiped out this year because, um, you know, last, last uh, March to November, we were doing all the effects, or not all, but we did a huge amount of creature work for um, Kung Fury, which mm-hmm. is the feature film, and we made it all here in Melbourne, and then I took it over to Germany and Bulgaria, and we shot it over there, and that was, um, you know, normally that, this is generally our busy time. At the moment, we haven't been doing anything. Uh, but what if I haven't doing anything? We haven't been doing anything for anybody else. And also, I've been working on when I was, you know, before we went to lockdown in what is it, March? Um, I was working towards my next feature film, which was a big sprawling thing to be shot in Melbourne. But COVID basically, I have to admit, presented us with an opportunity to reimagine it. So we did. We've just completely reimagined it. And um and if I hadn't been forced into that COVID corner, I wouldn't have found the secret sauce, which I probably should have been looking for all along. So mm. we've decided instead of shoot. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be my Batman, it's not Batman, it's, it's called roddy Hood, But yeah. it's um, a massive creature feature again, but it was going to be, uh, I keep saying it's my Batman on a budget, but shooting it in Melbourne at night time with cars and blocking off traffic, I mean, it was going to be It was going to be super difficult, the most difficult thing I've ever done. So what I'm doing is now, it forces us to reimagine, I have a big cyclorama here, so we're going to we're going to do and we've already shot like a three minute test we're just going to shoot the entire thing green screen with um, like Sin City and using Unreal Engine which we've just done a three minute test it looks great so we've, we've actually it's in a way it's kind of I would have never gone down that avenue for, um, if not for a pandemic so now you know if, even if we went back to normal today I would still do it this way because it's so much more manageable it keeps us well, you know my two films have been uh, one was shot entirely in studio and the other was shot pretty much entirely on a ship. So I'm going back to what I know, shooting straight back into a studio, but we're just going to be doing it with new tech, you know, with Unreal Engine and all that sort of stuff. And, and as I said, we've done some tests. It works really well. And It's it actually, in a way, I'm going to get the vision that I actually have always envisioned for Riding Hood. Instead of trying to make Melbourne look like an alternate New York, we can create that just in the computer. And obviously using... I can also, under COVID conditions, that make it even better because I can shoot my car separately if I need be rather than having massive crowd scenes I'd shoot five people at a time and Mm. space them out fine so it actually makes the whole thing a lot easier reduce crew as well I'm stripping it out of all the um, location fees and the difficulties of shooting at night and I can shoot it comfortably during the day it's actually and and I'm using the rest of the time that I'm not working on that at the moment just to completely I'm rewriting scripts and um, spreading out TV series which we're also planning on doing next year so yeah, there's a lot there's actually well, I, I, again I I haven't complained too much and I'm definitely not going to complain about it because it's, it's actually given me a lot of creative time to work on my own projects whereas we might have been doing special effects for other people's projects which then mine then suffer
0: Yeah. well I they do hope say that well they do say that necessity is the mother of invention and I imagine that like yourself there'll be a lot of people around the around the world affected by this thing that are, are looking in, uh, internally and working on their own stuff and, and, and perfecting their craft and having said that though do you have a feeling that a lot of people are out there just chopping at the bit ready to get back to work and ready to create? 100% they are totally Every, everybody
1: I know are everybody they're all, anyone in the film industry or creative industry are they really are I mean I uh, you know, and the thing is, but I think we have to be realistic. We're not going to, when we come out the other side of this, even next year, and it, it lets us say we all go down to stage one or whatever. It, I mean, the until there's a proper vaccine and all that sort of stuff, it's there's going to be new restrictions in place for quite a while, and it's probably going to reinvent the industry. So that's why we're trying to reinvent ourselves now. We're trying to reinvent a new yeah, a project the way we do them now. Um, you might as well, because, um, you know, I find myself also writing a couple of scripts that are very isolation uh, orientated. You mm-hmm. know, like with two casts. You know, so one robot and one human. So <laughs> just to keep it all very simple, because you know, what's the point of uh, writing something you possibly won't be able to shoot? You just, we just don't know. So it, it's like when um, you know, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of businesses out there that aren't film related that are having to reinvent themselves. Maybe shoot up, maybe you know, sort of like they're adjusting their business to be more online or whatever. But it's the same in the film industry. If we we can kind of just wish for this all to be over and uh, go back to normal, but I don't think, you know, I, I do feel it's going to be... Uh, uh, not going to be as quick as everybody thinks. I think it's going to be a couple of years before everything gets back to any sort of resemblance of normal. So, yeah. you know, I, I sort of feel if you've if got to just adjust and roll with the punches. So, it is, I said, it, it, that it, you know, the, the, the situation has presented myself with new... Outlook and opportunities or, or sort of ways of looking at things and going, well, actually, that's a better way of the way I was going to do it. It takes a bit of the pressure off mm. in
0: some ways. Well, fortunately, you have a movie out there in Blood Vessel for everyone out there um, dealing with this lockdown stuff. They can watch it. It's a. I really enjoy your movie, Justin. I really do. I'm a big vampire film fan, and this is one of my favourite ones I've watched in recent years. So for everyone out there, you can buy Blood Vessel now on DVD through Umbrella Entertainment. Also available on video on demand through iTunes, Google, Fetch and also Foxtel, um, and Justin Diggs. congratulations with uh, Blood Vessel, and uh, thank you very much for your time today. No problems.
1: Thanks very much.